Geek Bill Radio. This is the way. Hello once again, all you geeks and geekettes. This is Seth, a.k.a. Xandrax, the mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio, coming at you with Geekville Radio number 319. We are examining another trailer. This time we are looking at the final trailer for The Mandalorian Season 3. We did look at that trailer a couple months back. I'm going to link that review in the show notes at geekvilleradio.com slash 319. I didn't do an audio podcast review of that trailer. So I'll go over a little bit about what we saw in that one as well as this one, but mainly we're concentrating on the trailer that was released this week in January 2023. I'm going to go over a few of the scenes here we that we see in this trailer, and then I'll try to patch it together and speculate on what I think we're going to see in this third season. It's just my opinion. It's not based on anything I've read or any sort of information I've gotten elsewhere. This is purely just my thoughts looking at the trailer. If you haven't done so, check out the trailer. Again, it's on the show notes at geeklowradio.com slash 319. So the trailer begins with Din talking about how his people are scattered. And this voiceover is paired with Din standing with several other Mandalorians in armor. I'm going to get into the significance of these people here in a moment because there are seven of them in all, counting Din. But we hear him talk about what it means to be a Mandalorian We do see scenes of him returning to the planet Navarro, which is where the first season started out. That's where the other Death Watch Mandalorian were. That's also around where Grief Cargo was. And we also apparently see the Mandalorian tell the armorer that he is going to Mandalore itself, the actual planet of Mandalore, to seek redemption for his transgressions. This is paired up against a shot of a destroyed Mandalorian city. We do see some footage of what looks like Coruscant. I'm assuming it's Coruscant. It could be other planets, but we'll get to that in a minute. But we do hear Carson Tiva, who we've seen in previous seasons as an X-Wing pilot. We see him warn Din about the danger that's coming and that it may be too late to act, act on it. That's paired with footage of Coruscant. I don't think that's by accident. I think it's pretty clear we know by now that the Empire is trying to clone the Emperor so we can see how somehow Palpatine returned. Other moments seen during the trailer include Jedi watching a door being cut open from the outside, kind of mirroring what we saw in the beginning of The Phantom Menace. We see TIE Interceptors chasing, it looks like it's actually Bo-Katan's ship. That's my hunch. More on that a little later. We see a bar or cantina full of droids. We see several Mandalorians airdropping over a city. We saw a little bit of that in the previous trailer as well. And finally, we see a masked humanoid figure attack Grogu, only to be pushed away by the Force. That covers a lot of the big scenes we saw in there, so that brings us to the big question, what does all this mean? Well, I think it's pretty clear, since it was hinted at the end of Season 2, that one of the major story arcs will involve Din seeking out other Mandalorians throughout the galaxy. So it looks like we're still going to have that kind of space western paired with the hero's journey that we've been getting for the past couple seasons. Now, Here's the stuff that I saw that I think are significant. It's going back to the beginning of that trailer. The number of the Mandalorians did jump out at me. If I counted correctly, in those opening moments, there are seven Mandalorians counting Din. Maybe I'm reading too much into this, 
Maybe I'm not, but we do know George Lucas was heavily influenced by Akira Kurosawa as well as classic Western. And for those that don't know, Akira Kurosawa is a filmmaker in the early 20th century, Japanese filmmaker. One of his most famous films is called The Seven Samurai. And that in itself was remade in America as a Western called The Magnificent Seven. And it was also remade again in 1980 as a sci-fi version called Battle Beyond the Stars. Battle Beyond the Stars, Star Wars, see what they did there. But Seven Samurai is basically both. It's a Kurosawa film, and as The Magnificent Seven, it's also a classic Western, one of the most famous Westerns made of all time. Now, in every version of The Seven Samurai, or Magnificent Seven, the plot revolves around seven warriors banding together to defend a town or community against a hostile takeover. Each member of that group of Mandalorians that we see is dressed a little differently. So this is not people from the same unit. These are not people from Death Watch. These are not people who were paired with Bo-Katan and her people. So it doesn't look, look like they're too many of the official, you might say, Mandalorians like Bo-Katan is. The, this is very much a ragtag, motley crew of Mandalorians that seem to have gathered for a purpose. That's what it looks like to me. Now, when we last saw the armorer in the Book of Boba Fett, she had tasked Din with atoning for his sin of removing his helmet. And we know Din is telling her, at least it looks like, it could be interspersed with something else, but it looks like he's telling her he is going to go to Mandalore. That, I think, is where we will get the scene of him meeting with Bogotan, like we saw in the first trailer a few months ago. We also know that we're getting Pelimato again. For one episode, she's going to give him R5-D4 as a navigation droid. This is probably what will help him seek out these other Mandalorians throughout the galaxy. In my opinion, what this means is we are going to get what could effectively be looked at as a Mandalorian civil war. Because that group that was jumping in over Navarro, that looked like Death Watch. That looked like the people we saw in the beginning of season one and the people who were loyal to the armor, at least the ones that survived. So I think that's the armor's group. That's Death Watch essentially going to Navarro, if not returning, and basically trying to take it by force. And I think Din and his group of Mandos are there to defend it. So we're getting that Magnificent Seven type moment. We get the Space Western. We get the, the duel. And I think Bo-Katan eventually is going to be on the same side as Din. And this is also going to involve getting Bo-Katan to her rightful place as leader of the Mandalorians. We know we have to get it in a trial by duel, so to speak. They're going to have to fight over it. I don't know if that would be the finale or maybe if it's something that leads to Bo-Katan joining him. We'll see. I also would not be too shocked if we see the death of Bo-Katan here because a lot of the Magnificent Seven, if, whether it's a Seventh Samurai or the Magnificent Seven, most of them didn't make it. I think it was three of them that, that made it through. So we're probably going to see several Mandalorians kick the bucket or kick the helmet, you might say, in the final showdown here. Maybe Bo-Katan, I hope not because I think she's a great character and I think Katie Sackhoff has a ton of fun playing her. I hope she doesn't die, but Quite frankly, it wouldn't surprise me because you do need those emotional deaths of characters that you care about because it can show that not every character is safe when it comes to war or battling for your freedom. So 
that's what I got for The Mandalorian. I think we're essentially getting a remake of The Magnificent Seven with Din and Grogu essentially leading the charge for their Mandalorian Seven, Magnificent Mandalorians, whatever. And I think this is going to lead to a showdown with them and Death Watch, if not the armorer herself. It'll be interesting to see if the armorer will wind up removing her helmet at some point. We do see that Dr. Pershing is zipping around on Coruscant, assuming it's Coruscant, not Corellia or one of the other core worlds. And Coruscant is, of course, the capital of the Empire, or was. I mean, I, I know that by the time The Force Awakens rolls around, Hosnian Prime was the capital of the New Republic. So Coruscant may still be where the biggest imperial presence could be. But we'll, I think we'll get details for that as, as we see it as well. But if the Empire still has a central location, a capital planet of sorts, it would stem, stem to reason that that would still be Coruscant, even though we saw people celebrating at the end of Return of the Jedi. You know, we saw that big party going on at the uh, with people tearing down the statue of Emperor Palpatine. But I don't, I don't think it's a coincidence that we're seeing that footage interspersed with Carson Teva warning of this some unknown, potentially evil force or power that is rising. I think it's just planting a seed for the reveal of the Empire cloning the Emperor. And it would also be interesting to see how they're able to do that since we saw in the Bad Batch, the Empire basically destroyed the Camino cloning facilities. But Palpatine probably has a backup plan behind a backup plan behind a backup plan. He could probably, he might have just built his own secret cloning facility. Does anybody who remembers Dark Empire, he basically had his own planet of clone embryos, you might say. So why do we see TIE fighters chasing what appears to be Bo-Katan's ship? If it's known that she's out there trying to gain power back in Mandalore, I mean, that, that alone, I think, is enough to have the Empire hunting for her. We already know Moff Gideon's still out there. He knows that Din has the Darksaber and probably knows that Bo-Katan has a claim to it. So that seems like a perfectly good reason as to why the Empire might be hunting her. And how do the Jedi fit into this? I think the most obvious possibility would be that that quick scene you see of the Jedi seeing somebody breaking through that door it's probably that it's Order 66 related. I think that's probable. Whether it will be Anakin or not would be interesting. I think it also could be an interesting twist if maybe that is not Anakin, but somebody outside of the Empire or the Republic. Could it be Ahsoka's people? Could it be Ahsoka herself that helps save Grogu? But I think that is a flashback sequence, and I think we will finally see how Grogu survived Order 66. And it'll also be interesting to see if he is any younger or smaller. Because if we take it that he is 50 years old and still essentially a toddler, that would mean even more so that he would be, that would be what, half his life ago, 25 years basically. So he, would, he might not even be walking at that point. He might still have to crawl around and, and such and have an even less of an awareness of the Force. So that, that could be interesting as well. Will, will we see baby Grogu? Could we see a Grogu that can't fend for himself in, in any way? A Grogu that can't even walk or feed himself or anything like that? Could, could we see the equivalent of a Grogu that might only be a couple months old as opposed to a couple years old? One thing that I did not see, but 
is still of interest to me. We still did not see any image of Christopher Lloyd. We know that Christopher Lloyd is going to be part of season three of The Mandalorian. We don't know what part he's going to play. We don't know if it's going to be live action, if it's just going to be a voice or what. So it'd be interesting to see where he fits in to all of this. It wouldn't be surprising to me if he is one of these Mandalorians, whether he appears outside of the helmet or not, or if we just get Christopher Lloyd's voice. I think any Christopher Lloyd is good. Christopher Lloyd is a perfect fit for Star Wars. That's mainly what I got as far as the subplots as well. I think that covers all the bullet points I wanted to address. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome. My name is Seth, a.k.a. Xandrax, Geekville Radio. You can find us at geekvilleradio.com, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Amazon Music, pretty much anywhere you get your podcasts. You can just do a search for Geekville Radio and find us. Give us a follow, give us a like, wherever you can do there. Give us a review. Let us know what we're doing well. Let us know what we might not be doing so well. As I say all the time, I value feedback, especially when it's genuine. You can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Geekville Radio. Give us feedback there if you wish. Post something if you want us to talk about something. You can talk about it there, or you can also post directly on the geekvilleradio.com website, which have the show notes, geekvilleradio.com slash 319. We're going to be back soon with some other news probably going to talk velma the uh, latest scooby-doo reboot which i don't think is going to be as much fun as watching this trailer just to throw it out there but that's what's next on the docket let us know what you think let us know if you think i'm right let me know if you think i'm way off you can email me at seth at geekvilleradio.com or show at geek.com bit shorter of an episode this time around because we're really only talking about a 90 second trailer We'll be back next time talking Velma. This is Geekville Radio. We'll talk to you again next time. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the hosts and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of GeekvilleRadio.com, A1-Wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved. This is the way.